0: Thank you, Terry. Um, Again, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you this weekend and to think about the mission of the church. Um, One of the things that um, is always encouraging to me about missions conferences, as I said last night, is that we have a chance to sort of pull back and uh, take a 35,000 foot view of the work of the kingdom of God throughout the world and sort of get some perspective on where we are at this time and in this place. And I think it's helpful to do that. Uh, You are a part of the great ongoing work of the spreading kingdom of God that has spread all the way from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and now to the uttermost parts of the earth. You and I are living in the uttermost parts of the earth. Now you may have already known that about Statesboro, you might not have thought that about Savannah. <clears throat> but you also are a long way from Jerusalem. Uh, the gospel has gone uh, to and fro throughout the, to the ends of the earth and we thank God for that. We thank that it, God that has come to us. And then also uh, another thing about a missions conference is to challenge you to embrace the mission of Christ, to own the mission of Christ, not just far away, but also to own it here where you live. And that'll be a particular emphasis of my message to you on Sunday night. Uh, But uh, I wanna challenge you in a particular way tonight um, before we look at the text of scripture, uh, especially for you young men that God may call into gospel ministry I think I would be derelict if I did not put before you at least the consideration that God might be calling some of you to um, take the gospel, to preach the gospel, either here or in some place in the far reaches of the earth. We know that God calls men into gospel ministry and then, as we'll note tonight, He sovereignly places them wherever He will. Uh, to proclaim this wonderful good news of uh, our savior. So I want you to think about that, Um, maybe not just young men, and of course there are places for women to serve as well, but I'm particularly thinking about men who are called to preach the gospel as ordained ministers and to plant churches through the ordinary means of grace, to preach the gospel, to baptize people, to add them to the church, and then also to help them to grow spiritually that there might be kingdom outposts um, all over the earth so that one day the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters do the sea, even as your pastor just mentioned. So tonight I want us to think about, in just the brief moments we have, about the sovereignty of God in missions. So I'll begin with a quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon about the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Spurgeon wrote, there is no attribute more comforting to his children than that of God's sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe trials, they believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules them And that sovereignty will sanctify them all. There is nothing for which the children ought to more earnestly contend than the doctrine of their master over all creation. The kingship of God over all the works of his own hands. The throne of God and his right to sit upon that throne. For it is God upon the throne whom we trust. Now, I want to think tonight about this doctrine of the sovereignty of God with regard to missions. Because God has a sovereign right over the mission. The mission belongs to Jesus. It is his mission. He decides, as the sovereign Lord of the heavens and the earth, having taken his place at the right hand of God the Father Almighty on high, having been invested with all authority in the heavens and on the earth, he decides to whom the gospel is proclaimed, when the gospel is proclaimed, and where the gospel is proclaimed, and what the results of that proclamation are. Psalm two, verse eight, the great messianic psalm, uh, the father says to the son, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. So we would confess, along with the psalmist, that the nations of the earth belong to our Lord Jesus Christ, that they are his sovereign right, that by virtue of his uh, sacrifice on the cross of Calvary and his exaltation to the right hand of the father he has received a great inheritance uh, the nations of the earth uh, the very ends of the earth is his possession and when he took his disciples up on Mount Arbal and gave them the Great Commission he now sends them into the world to take possession of his inheritance and he's been doing that now for 2,000 years and much progress has been made. Sometimes we bemoan the difficulties that we face in our own culture. We look um, at things happening and it looks like we're going backwards. Uh, But when we think about the progress of the kingdom of God throughout the world, we need to think about, well, what is our reference point? What is our point by which we compare what progress has been made? If we think of 1952, then we are are apt to become very depressed about what's happened in our own culture. But if you'll think in terms of A.D. 33, when there was only a little pin light shining down upon upon the world in Jerusalem or in Israel, and the rest of the world was engulfed in black, black darkness, there's more light shining right today in this world than ever has shown heretofore. Much progress has been made. Now, what more progress will be made? I don't know, I, I can't predict the future on that. I, happen, I, I tend to be optimistic eschatologically, uh, but it's been very difficult to do that in, the latter, in these last few decades, uh, but I'm still holding on. I thought I might revert back to my earlier days when I was extremely pessimistic, but, but I'm not doing, it. I'm holding on. Uh, because as long as Christ is on his throne and he's sovereign over the mission, then I have to be optimistic about the future. But he is sovereign over the movement of the mission. When and where and who, uh, in the dispensing of his mercy, it is to whom he pleases, when he pleases, and where he pleases. Romans 9, the apostle Paul tells us in verses 15 to 16, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. So Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He is sovereign over the harvest and he sends his laborers where he wills, when he will, and to whom he will. So when I think about the, I mentioned this last night, but I'm when to think about North American, Central American, South American continents, they remained in deep black darkness of unbelief and confusion for 1,500 plus years after the Great Commission was given. No one took any gospel message of any sort to those continents for 1,500 years. That was according to the sovereign will of our uh, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus teaches this very message in Luke 4, verses 25 to 30, um, when he makes comments about the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. So listen to this, uh, Luke 4, 25 to 30. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elisha when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elisha was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. There are many, many widows all in uh, throughout the nation of Israel, but God sent Elisha to a widow all the way far to the north east, northwest, in the city of Sidon, outside of Israel. And then uh, in verse 27, uh, Jesus says, There were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things, and they got up and drove him out of the city, "...and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built, in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way." So Jesus is teaching uh, that he is the Lord of the harvest. He is sovereign over the mission, and he sends those workers out into the mission field as he pleases, when he pleases, where he pleases, to whom he pleases. We read this also in the life of the Apostle Paul in Acts 16, verses 6 to 12. Very curious passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul is trying to take the gospel into the western regions of what is modern-day Turkey, what we call Asia Minor. And um, verse 6 says, They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Isn't that a curious statement? And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them, and passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had caused to preach the gospel to them. Now, you may know the story um, that that was where a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira was doing business as a uh, merchant in purple fabrics. And God had prepared her heart. And when she heard the gospel proclaimed, uh, the scripture says the Lord, the Lord opened her heart. The Spirit of God opened her heart to receive the things spoken by the Apostle Paul. And then she was baptized in her household. And then um, a a demon possessed woman who was uh, in the service of some merchants was also converted. And then also um, the the jailer, the Philippian jailer who cried out, what must I do to be saved? Uh, To which the Apostle Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So God diverted the Apostle Paul from one region to another region where there were people prepared uh, to hear the gospel. Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, is sovereign over the spread of the gospel and directs his workers as he pleases. Last night we talked about um, David Livingston who spent his whole life uh, ministering uh, in the continent of Africa. Um, In um, Blakey's uh, biography, he talks about um, how um, God directed Livingston to Africa. He said, it is no wonder that all his life, Livingston had a very strong faith in Providence. For at every turn of his career up to this point, some unlooked-for circumstance had come in to give a new direction to his history. First, he read uh, his reading of Dick's philosophy of a future state, which led him to Christ, but did not lead him away from science. Then his falling in with Gutzloff's appeal, which induced him to become a medical missionary. The Opium War, which closed China against him because that's where he wanted to go. The friendly word of the director who procured for him another trial, Mr. Moffat's visit, which deepened his interest in Africa, and finally the issue of a dangerous illness that attacked him in London, all indicated the unseen hand that was preparing him for his great work. So what is Christ doing with his kingdom? It's very hard for anyone to put his finger on the pulse of the kingdom of God and predict what Jesus is doing with his kingdom. But he is the sovereign Lord of the mission, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he is orchestrating the whole affair from one end of the earth to the other, from the greatest movements that take place down to the minutiae and detail. Where is the Spirit of God directing you in this great mission? What is your part to play? Where is the Spirit of God directing independent Presbyterian church? You cannot own the whole of the mission, but you can own a part of it. And how does God direct you in that? God directed me by his sovereign hand to Statesboro, Georgia. Why would anybody wanna go to Statesboro, Georgia? Somebody has to live there. I guess it was appointed unto me to be the person that lives there. But God sent me sovereignly by his sovereign direction, the Lord Jesus purchased me at the cross of Calvary. I don't belong to myself. And he directed my path to Statesboro, Georgia. And now that I look back at it for 42 years uh, and what God has done graciously and mercifully in spite of myself, it's clear that he is building his kingdom even in a place like Statesboro, Georgia. Some people said, don't you want to be in a bigger place somewhere you could have greater influence? What is the place where you will have the greatest impact and greater influence? The place that God has directed you. God directed your pastor here 37 years ago? He didn't grow up in California dreaming about Savannah. (laughs) But the sovereign Lord of the heavens and the earth who purchased his soul at the cross of Calvary directed his path to this place. And this is the fruit of that work, the ongoing work of the kingdom of God. The sovereign Lord of the harvest has directed you to support a church planning work in Tennessee, and in Utah, and in England, and in France, and in Japan, and Switzerland, and Taiwan, and Norway, and Moldova. I'm not even sure where that is. (laughs) And also to Peru with Alonzo Ramirez and others. So when we think about the mission of the church, and you think about a missions conference, you think about Christ on his throne orchestrating the spread of his kingdom and spreading the gospel that men who are lost and distressed and downtrodden would come to know um, the wonderful soul-liberating grace of Jesus. Now, some are to stay, and we're going to talk about that. Not everybody's supposed to go somewhere. Some are to labor here, but maybe, just maybe, the Lord of the harvest will send some of you, especially you young men, to carry the gospel, preach the gospel here and maybe at the far reaches of the end of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for uh, those whom You have sent before us. and who were faithful to your call in their lives and who brought the gospel to us. And we pray, Father, that you might continue to do that. And what a great blessing and privilege that you allow us to own some part of this great work of the kingdom of God spreading from shore to shore. Lord, work in our midst. Use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.